0: Hello and welcome to Bedtime Stories with me, R.A. Spratt. Well, before we get into it today, I came up in my Facebook feed this morning that it's the 10th anniversary of the second Nanny Piggins book, Nanny Piggins and the Wicked Plan, going on sale in North America. So that just got me thinking about all the times I was lucky enough to tour North America. So I just want to say hello to all the people that I got to visit with or in those places that I got to visit like, uh, Los Angeles and New York and Richmond, uh, Virginia and, uh, Boston and Toronto in Canada, all those places. I know there's lots of people listening in America who I've never got to go to your States or your cities. And I I'm sorry, I'd love to get come and visit you all someday. I'd love to visit all around the world. Um, But anyway, to all the people listening out there, thank you for listening. And also, I just wanted to say, it's funny because I've written so many books about nannies. uh, But in Australia, we don't actually have a lot of kids that are brought up by nannies or have nannies looking after them. Uh, Certainly not where I grew up in Sydney in the 80s and 90s in northwestern Sydney. It was very rare. I didn't know anybody who had a nanny. Uh, it was only really when I got to Los Angeles on tour that I met a bunch of nannies because they would bring the kids to my events. So I just wanted to say to everyone who's listening to this podcast, who, who's listening with their nanny or, or their au pair or maybe their grandmother or auntie who, who listens with them, you know, thank you for listening and supporting the show. And, and, um, you know, I hope you're enjoying it. All right. Now we've done all that. Let's get into it. All right. So, we left off last time part of the way through Chapter 23, because, of course, we're reading The Pesky Kids, Bear in the Woods, which is the second book in the Pesky Kids series. So, we were way into Chapter 23, which was called The Big Day Out, and we just got up to the bit where April had rushed the stage and uh, taken the microphone away from her father. So, uh, we'll pick it up there. I- I'll double back a little bit, so so we'll pick it up a little bit before we finished last time. This is my chance, said April. Everyone's listening. She started shoving her way through the crowd. What are you doing? asked Finn. April, don't c- cause a scene, called Joe, hurrying after her. But he was much bigger and couldn't get through the crowd. It was too late. The next second, April pushed away past Agnes Dalrymple and popped up on the side of the rostrum. Neither the mayor nor dad noticed. First prize to be awarded for yellowest petals, announced Dad. The mayor handed him a golden daffodil statuette ready to present. The finalists are Matilda Vosnevers, Perseus Lee, and, oof! April had grabbed the microphone out of Dad's hand and shoulder-barged him out of the way, which, unfortunately, due to Dad's limited mobility and peripheral vision in his ridiculous great green thumb costume, led to him overbalancing and toppling off the side of the stage. He landed right on Agnes Dalrymple's feet. "'I've got something I want to say!' April yelled into the microphone, causing another ear-splitting whine of feedback. "'There's a bear loose in this town, and any one of you could be its next victim!' "'Is she talking metaphorically?' Agnes Dalrymple asked the lady next to her. "'I don't know,' said the second old lady, loudly, filling with her hearing aid. "'I had my death fade turned off.' "'I am not talking metaphorically,' said April. "'I mean literally a big black bear. "'I've seen it with my own eyeballs, and we've got DNA proof. "'We found a tuft of bear fur in the woods, "'and scientists have confirmed it came from a real bear.' Is this some sort of theatrical performance, asked Agnes Dalrymple. No, said April. I'm just a girl who saw a hoof. At that moment, April was crash-tackled by Constable Pike. The crowd cheered. The constable got up, blushing, and waved to the appreciative audience. It's all under control now. Nothing to see here, he said. He had a firm grasp of April's upper arm. Not that April was trying to go anywhere. She was pretty dazed from being crash-tackled by a fully-grown man wearing 20 kilos of police equipment. Ugh, said April. Your walkie talkie got me right in the eye. Continue on, Constable Pike told Dad and the mayor. Act like this never happened. He started to lead April away. Dad clambered back up on the stage and grabbed the microphone stand to balance himself. I will not continue on as if nothing happened, declared Dad. You just assaulted my daughter. You're the great green thumb, pleaded the mayor. Your duties have to come first. Award the prizes. She thrust a statuette at Dad. No one loves daffodils more than me, said Dad, but they do not come first. My family comes first, and I will not stand by while you bully my little girl. Dad launched himself at Constable Pike. Loretta clapped delightedly. Go, Mr Pesky, she hugged Joe. You must be so proud of your dad, Finn scowled jealously. I'm more worried than proud, said Joe. He'll be fine, said Loretta. "'The giant daffodil headdress will protect him from any head injuries.' Dad and the constable were now both rolling on the rostrum, wrestling with each other. The mayor had grabbed up a statuette and was trying to hit Dad on the head with it, so April leapt across the stage and put the mayor in a headlock. Then, suddenly, there was a blood-curdling scream.' Everyone on stage froze. The whole crowd turned to see where the screaming was coming from. Matilda Vosneva's grandmother ran out from the back of the tent, still clutching the jar of snails she'd been trying to coax under the rear tent flap. She looked terrified. Her face was white. Her eyes gaped wide and she screamed again. But this time she screamed a word. <gasps> BAM! Everyone was too shocked to respond. Then suddenly, from around the side of the competition marquee, there came a huge lumbering black bear. In an instant, thousands of people were screaming and running in every direction, trying to get away. I told you so, said April smugly, as she released the mare. The bear reared up on its hind legs and released a guttural bellow. The crowd was flooding away in every direction. Luckily, the fence around the gardens was only a metre high, so people could easily vault or clamber over it. On the far side of the garden, the force of the crowd rushing the old timber fence knocked the whole thing over, and thousands of people ran for it, disappearing into the streets. The bear dropped down on all four legs and started running itself, straight towards the refreshment tent. "'The old ladies!' cried April. "'Quick, do something before the bear eats them!' She said this to Constable Pike, giving him a hard shove on the shoulder. "'Do what?' asked the constable. "'They don't train us on how to subdue bears at the police academy!' Finn was closest to the tent. He ran over and intercepted the bear. Amazingly, despite Finn's unusual shortness, the bear did not simply knock him down. The bear actually stopped. Finn's mind was whizzing, trying to figure out what to do. He thought to himself, what would the cat lady do? And that's when his training kicked in. Finn summoned an inner calm and said in a firm but authoritative voice, Ah! Ah! The bear tilted its head sideways as if confused. Finn stared into the bear's eyes, then raised one finger. The bear sat down like an obedient dog. "'Wow,' said Loretta. "'I didn't know Finn was a bear whisperer.' The old ladies in the refreshments tent used the opportunity to escape through the back flap, making their getaway with their zimmer frames and electric scooters. Then the bear sniffed. The honey cake smelled too good. The bear got up on his feet again. "'Ah, ah!' Finn said again. But the massive bear was so close, it was hard to keep the fear out of his voice. The bear plunged forward. Finn closed his eyes and waited for impact.' but he just felt the bear's fur as it brushed past him. Finn turned around to see the bear ignoring the people altogether and greedily scoffing pawfuls of honey cake. "'It's just after the honey,' said April. "'What a cliché,' said Finn. "'This bear watches too many cartoons.' Just then... Officer Odinson's truck sped down the main street. It veered onto the pavement and smashed through one of the remaining stretches of picket fencing, skidding to a halt right in the middle of a flowerbed and decimating hundreds of lovely daffodils in the process. The door was flung open and Officer Odinson leapt out. Stand back, he ordered. I've got this under control. But you've been suspended, said Constable Pike. "'No one questions my authority to control animals in a high-pressure situation,' said Officer Odinson, reaching into his truck and retrieving a dart rifle. "'Hang about,' said Constable Pike. "'I confiscated your dart gun.' "'This isn't a dart gun,' said the animal control officer, cocking his weapon. "'It hissed like a whipped cream can. "'It's a compressed air tranquilizer rifle.' "'You can't shoot the bear,' said April. "'It just wants honey cake.' "'It's my duty to protect the people of Currawong,' said Officer Odinson, striding towards the refreshment's tent, where the sound of the bear greedily eating its way through all the cakes could be heard. "'Stop!' It was the cat lady, hobbling across the park as fast as her crutches would allow her. Neil was following behind. "'Stay back,' said Officer Odinson. "'A bear is a vicious killer. It can crush your neck with its jaws in a second. "'No, my Wesley wouldn't hurt anyone,' cried the cat lady.' This bear's a pet," explained Neil. "He's trained. He used to perform at the circus. A bear is a class one animal. It cannot be kept within the town's precinct, according to Article 5A of the Animal Code," said Officer Odinson, raising his tranquilizer rifle to his shoulder and peering through the sight. "Have you ever shot a fully grown bear with a tranquilizer dart before?" demanded the cat lady. "Do you know how dangerous that is? If you get the dosage too low, you'll turn a peaceful bear into an angry killer." "'If you get the dosage too high, you'll kill the bear!' "'It's crazy to attempt with all these people around,' urged Constable Pike. He was worried for the last couple of old ladies still making their way out the back of the tent. "'I'm prepared to take the risk,' said Officer Odinson, starting to squeeze the trigger. Joe lunged for Officer Odinson, knocking the rifle sideways, so the shot fired went wide. It missed the bear, but there was a high-pitched scream as Mrs Bellamy, the last old lady escaping through the back of the marquee, crumpled to the ground.' You've hit Mrs Bellamy, you wicked man. Now Princess Anastasia will be an orphan, cried Loretta, running over to help the woman. It's the boy's fault, accused Officer Odinson. It's all right, false alarm, said Loretta. She's not dead. You just hit her handbag. Loretta tugged the dart out of the leather to show them. Just my handbag, whimpered Mrs Bellamy. My husband bought that for me in Florence. "'A market stall in Hong Kong, more like,' said Loretta. "'They don't make handbags out of plastic in Florence.' Mrs Bellamy whacked Loretta in the side of the head with her handbag. "'Ow!' cried Loretta. "'Don't blame me if your husband's a cheapskate.' Inside the tent, the bear bellowed. "'Wesley, it's all right!' called the cat lady. "'I won't let the silly man hurt you.' "'Let me shoot that bear!' yelled Officer Odinson. Constable Pike had wrestled the tranquilizer dart out of his hands now, but Wesley had been startled by the yelling. Bears are intelligent creatures who understand simple concepts like another animal being unhappy because he ate all their honey cake. So fearing that he would get in trouble, Wesley took off running down the main street. You idiot, said the cat lady, turning on Officer Odinson. You scared Wesley. Would someone just shoot that bear so we can get on with the daffodil festival, demanded the mayor. Wesley was lumbering down the main street of Currawong with surprising speed until he came to the psychiatrist's van. Oh no, said April, the van is full of honey cake. Bears have an excellent sense of smell, so Wesley had realised this too. He turned and banged on the door of the caravan. The door, being made of a thin aluminium, buckled so it was easy for Wesley to rip the whole thing off its hinges and go inside. The caravan dipped under Wesley's weight, then shuddered and shook as Wesley methodically denuded all the cupboards of their cakey treats. "'My cake!' wailed Dr. Hillary as she came running across the road from the Good Times Café. "'Now I won't get another one until next year!' The mayor strode up to Officer Odinson and poked him in the chest. "'As mayor of Currawong, I declare this to be a state of emergency and use the extraordinary powers authorised to reinstate you as the town's animal control officer!' She turned to Constable Pike. "'Return his dart gun! I'm ordering him to tranquilize that bear!' No, cried the cat lady. He's an old bear. He'll never survive it. You old witch, April yelled at the mare. Pumpkin leapt up and bit Mayor Albright on the bottom. But the pesky kids, including Loretta, had already taken off running down the street towards the van. Officer Odinson had grabbed back his tranquilizer rifle and was reloading. Don't do anything reckless, called Dad, running after his children. Joe jumped into the driver's seat. April, Finn and Loretta leapt in alongside him. April grabbed Pumpkin, who barked happily at all the chaos. The key was already in the ignition, as is so often the way in trusting rural communities. Joe turned it and the engine roared to life. "'Hit it!' cried April. "'We've got to get out of here!' But Joe just stared at the steering wheel. "'I d- d- don't know how to drive!' Let me, said Loretta, climbing over April and Finn, much to his delight. She sat on Joe's lap, stamped on the clutch and pushed the stick into gear. Wait, cried Joe. You've only got a learner's permit. Don't you need a responsible adult? Finn leaned out the passenger window. Dad didn't exactly look like a responsible adult as he ran down the main street with his bright green robes billowing behind him and a giant yellow daffodil on his head. But he would have to do. Dad, quick, cried Finn. Grab hold. Dad jumped up on the running board and gripped tight to the window frame, just as Loretta released the clutch and stamped hard on the accelerator. This probably would have worked flawlessly in her parents' fancy car, but the 30-year-old caravan lurched and kangaroo hopped down the road. Pop! The air rifle fired, the dart ricocheting off the side of the caravan. What was that? cried Joe. Dad looked back. I believe Officer Odinson is shooting at us. Where are we going? asked Loretta. Away from that dark gun wielding loony, said Finn. There was a loud roar. It was Wesley. He was not enjoying being rattled about in the back of the caravan. They're right behind us, said Loretta. She could see the police car in the side mirror. It's Constable Pike. April stuck her head out the window and looked back. No, it's the mare driving, and that nutbar Odenson is leaning out the window with his rifle. Another shot fired and the dart hit the wing mirror of the van, splintering the glass. "oh" cried Dad. The dart was now lodged in his daffodil headdress. "'It's a good job he's a bad shot,' said Finn. "'I'm an excellent driver, but even I can not outrun a cop car in a thirty-year-old caravan carrying a one-ton bear,' said Loretta. "'You don't have to,' said Finn. "'We just have to get over the bridge, then we'll be on the outside of town limits and by-law 5A won't apply.' Loretta pressed down hard on the accelerator, and the engine strained to respond. Pop! Another shot rang out. This time, Officer Odinson's aim was better. The caravan lurched into a sideways skid. His darts hit one of the tyres, said Loretta, desperately trying to hold on to the steering wheel. I can't control it! The caravan veered into the railing of the bridge with a huge crunch. Is everyone okay? Asked Joe. Oh, I think I hit my head, said April. So just a normal day for you then, said Finn. "'Step out of the vehicle with your hands raised!' ordered Officer Odinson over the police car's loudhailer. "'Why?' asked Finn. "'He knows we don't have guns.' "'It's always better to humour lunatics,' advised Loretta, throwing open the driver's door, holding up her hands and smiling. "'We're coming!' They all climbed down with their hands raised. "'Send out the bear!' said Officer Odinson. "'It's a bear!' said April, rolling her eyes. "'It doesn't follow instructions?' But the bear apparently decided it had had enough of travelling by car. It lumbered down the steps and onto the road. They were all a lot closer to the bear than they had been in the gardens. It was much more intimidating close up. Not only was Wesley a massive black bear with huge teeth and claws, he also really did stink. Wow, said Finn. He smells seriously bad, whispered Loretta. You're right, there's no way you could have imagined that. Another car skidded to a halt just behind the police car. It was Ingrid. The cat lady, Neil, Dr. Hillary and Constable Pike all jumped out. Put down your weapon, Todd, ordered Constable Pike. I've been ordered by the mayor to shoot this bear, said Officer Odinson. She's got no authority to do that, said Constable Pike. You've already broken a dozen firearms regulations. Don't make it worse for yourself. But it's just a bear, said Officer Odinson. A tame bear, said the constable. The cat lady explained everything. She trained it as a cub for the circus. Then when the circus disbanded, she took it to live on her farm. It's old and harmless. The cat lady shuffled forward. Wesley, be a good boy and come to mummy. Wesley sniffed about. He growled affectionately at the cat lady's familiar smell. Stand back, barked Mayor Albright, pushing the cat lady back. Wesley did not like seeing his mummy get pushed. He stood up on his hind legs and bellowed at the mare. She stumbled into the guardrail of the bridge, which gave way, and she toppled backwards, landing with a splash in the river below. "'That'll teach you to invest in infrastructure,' called Finn. "'Help!' cried the mayor. "'I can't swim!' "'What is wrong with this town?' asked April. "'Why would you elect a mayor who can't even swim?' "'Collective delusion,' said Dr. Hillary, shaking her head sadly. "'I see it all the time.' "'I'll save her,' said April, stepping up to the edge. "'Not you. You've got a head injury,' said Joe, lunging forward to stop his sister. But April had already jumped in after the mare, so Joe, as a loyal older brother, had no choice but to jump in after her. Then, to the surprise of everyone, Wesley followed them, leaping in with an almighty splash.' Good boy, Wesley, called the cat lady. He has such a protective instinct. April swam over to the bear and clambered onto his back, then reached over and grabbed the mare by her shoulder pad. Swim us over to the bank now, April said to Wesley, and he did. April was impressed. Good boy, you're almost as well-trained as Pumpkin. And that is the end of the chapter, so we'll leave it there. Until next time, goodbye.